Romans chapter 11 and verse 33, and then turn over to Psalm chapter 19 and beginning in verse 1. This will be the 25th message in our series on the whole counsel of God, and we're going to be dealing this morning with the subject of the wisdom of God. How wise is God? And we're going to deal with it in three consecutive Sunday mornings, the Lord willing. And it's important in the order in which that we're going to deal with it. We're going to be dealing with it this morning in His wisdom in creation. And I especially want to encourage you young people and boys and girls to listen this morning. We're going to be dealing with the creation that's all around you and the wisdom of God. And then next week, the Lord willing, we're going to be dealing with the wisdom of God in governing his creation. And then two weeks from today, the wisdom of God in redemption. Now, these cannot be reversed. We cannot deal with redemption first, but we must deal with God and his purposes in wisdom in creation. That's what we're going to be dealing with today. In the 11th chapter of Romans, the apostle, after spending many, many words and thoughts dealing here to the church of Rome, he concludes his thought with this statement, All the depth of the riches, both of the knowledge and wisdom of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again? For of him, through him, and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Now the apostle, if you will study the book of Romans has spent the first two chapters dealing with God as a creator and what he created. Then you'll find this next couple of chapters he'll be dealing with man as a fallen creature. And then you'll show he'll continue to show you how that he governs man in this fallen state. And then he'll bring us on up into the fifth, sixth chapters of Romans and there he'll reveal the wisdom of God and redemption of man. So the creation of man, the government of man, and the redemption of man causes this apostle to conclude with this statement, all the death of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. That is, only a wise, infinite, eternal God could come up with such a divine plan as he has developed for his own glorification. So he would conclude with that. Now I want to uh, tie in with that statement that the, of the riches and the wisdom of God, the 19th Psalm, dealing with the wisdom of God in creation. If you have that, then we read with verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day is speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech, no language, where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun. Quite often, in my personal counseling, someone comes and they are troubled about their relation with God, in their communion with God. And they will say, Well, Pastor Gables, I just can't seem to get God to speak to me. 
Or I don't know how God speaks. Alright, now notice the subject for today. That God speaks to us first through the wisdom of His creation. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth His handiwork. And this speaks every day that goes by uttereth speech. Now, God's not going to speak to you in an audible sound where you can hear. It comes right in through here. But if you were around in the creation, He's speaking to you everywhere. And night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. That is, you go anywhere in the creation, and God will be speaking to you, and it will all be saying, the, Oh, the death of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How did all this come about? Except there be a divine creator who is all wise. Now let's go in to the wisdom of God as seen in the creation of the universe. Where you and I live. Now we're not talking about something that's going to take place out on some distant star where you and I will never be. We're talking about the world in which that you and I live and move and have our being in. We see the wisdom of God first in the variety of His creation. God did not just create one thing. When you look out across the creation, you are immediately confronted with an amazing variety of creations, or that is, acts of creation. You see the different planets. You see the sun, moon, and the stars. And then you come down to the own planet on which we live. And you see an almost endless variety of insects, animal life, plant life, and man. And you see even a variety among mankind, so that there it sets forth an infinite wisdom in God being able to create all these different shapes and sizes and colors and smells that you and I are exposed to each day. Invite your attention over to the 104th Psalm, where the psalmist makes a comment upon this variety which exists in the creation of God. Psalm 104 and verse 24. O Lord, how manifold are thy works! In wisdom hast thou made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. Beloved, if you would concentrate upon what exists in this creation, and as you go out of this building today and begin to look around you, the creation is speaking to you of the infinite wisdom of God. Everywhere we see it in an almost endless variety of different specimens. Now, where did all these come from? They did not just happen, but back of them all there is wisdom. You look at the birds, you look at the animal life, you look at the plant life. Yes, you even look at the snakes, the spiders, the ants, and all of these things, and behind those things there is the wisdom of God. Now, may we see the beauty and the variety of all of these things. Now, I might be specialized in one particular skill. And we have a lot of specialists today. Some individuals in the medical profession, they are specialists in a particular field. That is, maybe in the eyes or ears or so forth. 
And the thing is gradually passing from the scene which we used to know as the general MD. That is, he's the, uh, treats anything that comes along, from cancer on down to an ingrown toenail. That individual is just about passed. You've got to go to a specialist today to be worked on. But a specialist is that which is a master in his field, but his field alone. But when you look out at the creation, you see not just one field, not just one act of creation. You see an infinite uh, acts of creation everywhere. For that our God must be an infinite wise God to be able to govern over and to control all of these things which exist in his creation. Let's go to the book of Genesis, chapter 1. The book of Genesis, chapter 1, and here we have the... Creator at work, beginning in verse 11. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind. And God saw it was good. Here is the study of botany. That is, all of the many varieties of plant life which we see around about us in the creation. We go on over to verse 24. And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth after his kind, and it was so. And then God made the beast of the earth after his kind, cattle after their kind, everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and God saw that it was good. Here we have animal life. Not just one cow, and not a million or a trillion cows, and not only, but an infinite almost number of different varieties of fish and fowl and animal life at his disposal. Now, beloved, that speaks of the wisdom behind this creation. And if you, that's why that the psalmist would say, after looking up into the heavens and seeing all of the creation and where that this has come from, he would have the authority to conclude, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And that's exactly what God calls any individual. You might be here this morning. But if you're here this morning and denying the existence of God, God calls you a fool. You don't have your eyes open. You don't see what is around about you because there is wisdom every turn that you make in the road. God is speaking to you in his creation. So we see the wisdom of God in the variety in the creation. Now secondly, we see the wisdom of God in the beauty of his creation. In the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, and verse 11. Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, and verse 11. I want to read to you from this passage. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Now, you know, Pastor, that those mice which caused me to jump up on the table, you mean to tell me that God considers them beautiful? And you mean those snakes which make my back cringe when I see them, or those spiders in the webs 
You really mean to tell me that God views those as beautiful? Yes, my friend, everything has a beauty in it when you see the wisdom which is behind that. You say, well, why did God create all those things? In order to bring glory unto his own name. That's why he created them. And this only reveals the wisdom that is all round about us. The heavens show this wisdom in the beauty that is in the heavens. First, the sun and moon. Let's go out and let's look at the sun today. And you'll notice that it does not just shine there in one spot all the time, but that it is moving. And we will soon see the sun set. And then we will go out and look at the stars and the moon, and we see a creative act of God. We see that the beauty and the order of this is that it brings about the seasons. That is, that we have a time in which that the sun waters the, the earth and brings forth the plant life, but it does not shine there all the time. It goes down or goes to another portion of the earth, and then the earth is allowed to recuperate from the warm rays of the sun, and the dew is allowed to form, which will bring forth the needed moisture of the earth. There's wisdom in this. It is not just by accident, but here we see the all-wise God setting the sun, moon, and stars in their orbits in relation to the earth. We see the sun in the distance to the earth. Do you realize that it would only take just a small change of the sun's relation to our earth? You bring it a little bit closer and the earth would burn up in a cinder. You move it just a little way further away from our planet and we'd have a complete ice covering our planet. You see the wisdom of God in setting forth the sun in exactly the right location that it might minister unto the needs of this planet. We also see this relation to the other planets. We do not we see the earth unique in comparison to the other planets. We do not look out and see all types of forms of life on the other planets as they are in relation to earth. Why is this? Simply because the wisdom of God has set up the planetary system, that where those heavenly bodies are influencing this earthly body, but yet he has created this earth for the habitation of you and I to live on. The wisdom of God is spoken to us in the beauty of the creation. Then we see, thirdly, the wisdom of God is seen in the usefulness of the creation. Everything that exists has a reason. Now, I get a little amazed, uh, uh, just usually just have to snicker inside uh, when I hear the uh, different reports come out ever so often, particularly uh, the one now from the medical profession, which says that now then they've discovered that the appendix and the tonsils and all these things play absolutely no role at all any value in the human body. <laughs> well, now they wouldn't believe that. But let me in, in on a little secret. A hundred years ago, they believed that you, if you cut somebody when they got sick, it'd help them to get well. And a hundred years from now, if God permits it, they'll, they'll discover again there is a usefulness for those organs that God has put in that body. And just because man thinks they're serving no function now, don't rest in the changeable wisdom of man. 
God has a purpose for everything in His creation, and that includes in your life, in your body, in mine. For the psalmist would say, Oh, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, how I am put together. And so the wisdom of God is seen in the usefulness that goes on in the creation. God doesn't create anything and then set it aside with no use. There is a purpose for every act of his creation because of wisdom that goes behind it. Let's look at the sea. Let's go out to the Pacific Ocean and stare out over its waters. In that sea, we see a huge pond. But our scientists tell us today that that will probably be the major source of our, the world's food supply in the future. Isn't it nice to have a little pond out here full of fish where you can go out there and drop your line in and bring some in? Here we have three-fourths of the earth's surface is covered by water. As if that God would show us that here is an almost infinite supply whereby that food can be reaped from if we have the wisdom to get it. And God in his own time and season will deliver that wisdom. But let's look at the sea. It has salt in it. What does salt do? It keeps things from putrefying. Have you ever seen a body of water that was stagnant? What happens when there's no movement? It becomes putrid and soon begins to decay. But here we have this huge body of water that has salt in it. And not only does it have the salt in it to keep it from from, uh, putrefying, but it also, in relation to the sun and the moon, has what is known as tides that rise and fall to keep the movement going on in this huge body of water out here to keep it from just becoming a, a dead sea, that is, where there's no life in it. We see the wisdom of God in supplying just the right chemicals here and there. Every time that you, maybe some of you, unless you're on a bland diet, uh, when you pick up, uh, after the wife puts out the supper before you, and you may want to pick up the salt shaker. You want to put some extra sodium chloride on that. Do you realize that you separate those two elements and you have deadly poisons in both of them? Sodium will kill us. Chloride will kill us. But when you combine them together, you have a relatively harmful item known as table salt. And you look at all your elements, how that they are joined together. Hydrogen, H2O, harmless water that we need for our existence. Separated, you have a power nearly capable of blowing the universe apart. How you see how that God has harnessed these different things in his infinite wisdom, which is far beyond what any man could do, and has them functioning as a useful purpose in the creation that you and I are existing in today. So the sea provides salt. It has the tides which keep it from decaying, and it provides food. Look at the clouds. Look at the cloud structure. The firmament declares the handiwork of God. Out of that sea, there is a vapor system formed, and water evaporates and goes up into the cloud system, and that acts as a purifier. It removes the brine and the salt and takes out the fresh pure water and blows it inland over land. And then at a certain time and appointed by God, that water is poured back out upon the ground in the form of refreshing rain. And that rain forms in the ground and, and grows our fruits and vegetables and our trees 
Some of it runs off into the rivers, and then it goes right back into the oceans again. You talk about a cycle in nature, there's a God behind that cycle. And everywhere you look, it speaks of wisdom. Not disorder and chaos, but wisdom because of an all-wise God. Let's look at the winds. What function do the winds bring about? If you've ever lived in St. Louis, Missouri, or Los Angeles, California, as I have, you'll appreciate the function of the winds. Because in those huge cities, just about uh, ever so often they have to issue what's called a smog alert. Because the pollution in the air becomes so dangerous that you can't hardly breathe it. But then there'll come in an ocean breeze from off the coast and take some of that and move it on out. And through the movement, there is a purifying in the air. Just like stale water, when it, is, uh, when it comes down over a ripple in the river, it purifies that water. And that's where you want to drink at. Never drink out of a stagnant pool, but if you have to find a place to drink, get out in a ripple or somewhere in a stream if you have to have the water, because there is where you'll find the purest water where it's moved. And so the air, the winds, pick up all the impurities of the air and through the movement acts as a purifying system. This is again one of the mighty acts of the usefulness that God has in his creation. The rivers then take the water and they, through that water running back to the sea, that water is then used to feed the animals, the plant life that is close to that river, and many other areas in which that man has now harnessed for his own use. The rivers play a usefulness in the creation. The trees and the plants, all of the trees and the plants take in what is known as carbon is it monoxide, dioxide, isn't it? All right, get that straight. You kids help me out if I get, uh, get wrong on that, okay? Some of you uh, uh, teachers and you, you watch what I say. I may get the wrong elements in here, okay? But I believe that we have that the carbon uh, dioxide is taken in by the plants. And what do they produce? Produce oxygen. And who needs oxygen? You and I and the animal creation need it. And what do we breathe out of our systems? Carbon dioxide. You see the, the, the all-wise interchangeableness here of God and his wisdom. And to say, to look out upon this and say, all this just happened. My friend, if it happened, it had to happen at one time. It could not have come about through a long system because one part cannot exist without the other. It had to come in an act of creation. You take the bees uh, and the, the function that they play in the plants. The plants cannot pollinate without the bees. And the bees have to have the pollen in order to make the honey. You can't have one without the other. So if it was some long system, both the bee and the plant had to be here at the same time because they couldn't live without each other. And you cannot live without others. And others cannot live without you. And that's the marvelous wisdom of this creation of God is that in it all, every function plays a useful purpose in this creation. Now, the seasons have their use in Psalm chapter 74 and verse 16. And I'm glad that I can look out today and the sun's going to stay up a little longer and I know the season is changing. Uh, I'm grateful for that. Some of you may, uh, you may like this cold weather, but I'll take the sun uh, in uh, just about uh, any day. 
and the seasons are going to be changing. Now, why is this? Is there any wisdom in that? Why not just have winter all year round? Why not just have summer all year round? Now, this is in the wisdom of God also in the 74th Psalm and verse 16. The day is thine, the night also is thine. Thou hast prepared the light in the sun. Thou hast set all the borders of the earth. Thou hast made summer and winter. What we call nature is nature, but it is the God behind the nature. It is God which changes the seasons. It is God which controls the heavens and the earth, whereby that sun and the moon come about to bring day and night. And it is God which brings spring, and then summer, and then fall, and then winter. It is God, and incidentally, I'll have to throw this in here. Let's don't write off all of our ecologists as being out just to put people out of jobs. Because when we fool with and destroy the balance in nature, we're going to end up with a system here on earth in which will not be livable. And when you begin, and uh, maybe I'm uh, getting into where I don't belong here, but I think that we're going to reap an untold harm when we insist on keeping our lands cultivated for 12 months out of the year. God did not create the ground to do that. He created that ground to have a season of rest, just like he created you and I to have a day of rest. And when that topsoil is gone, my friend, there's not going to be anything else to put there to grow that. So we have to be very, very careful as to how we deal with the creation of God. But we recognize that these seasons which God brings are for the benefit of the creation. And let us be careful as to how we deal with it. So there's a usefulness of everything. We see the harmony of the creation, as we've already pointed out, between the bees and the plants, and how the plants provide oxygen, and in return, why we provide carbon dioxide, and thereby there's an interrelationship between the animal kingdom and that of the plant kingdom. So that in all of this, what we have presented to you this morning is simply this occasion. You say, Pastor, how does God speak to me? My friend, look to his creation, and the psalmist says it's day and night speaketh words. God is speaking to you. But all oh, you see the blinded individual who has been blinded by sin that would use the creation for his own selfish ends. Instead of seeing that every ant, every insect, every animal, every plant is speaking to him, there's a wise God here. There's a wise God in control. There's a wise God which has brought this into existence. So let us honor God's creation. Let us not destroy it. Let us reverence the creation of God and use it because that's what God put man here for, was to rule over the creation of God. Now, Pastor, what application then can we make of the wisdom of God in creation? Number one, the wisdom of God in creation shows the depravity of the human heart which denies the existence of God. I want to read to you now from the book of Romans, chapter 1. The book of Romans, chapter 1, and verse 18. Now, you may be here today, and you may not be an atheist, that is, professing atheist, but you may be a practicing atheist, that is, living as if there were no God. 
that is, living your life as if there was no wise God in control of his creation. So I want to read to you from the first chapter of Romans, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Where is it? From heaven. The heavens declare the handiwork of God. Against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. Well, how has God showed it unto man? How has God revealed himself to man? For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Look up into the heavens, look around into the earth, and see all of these marvelous acts of God. Are being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Now listen to this. Professing themselves to be wise, they became, what would you say? Fools. They became fools and changed the glory of an uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man, the birds and four-footed beast, uh, beast and creeping things. In other words, instead of worshiping the Creator, they began to attribute all of their allegiance to the creation itself and saying, the creation is our God. It's always been here, but we will not worship the God who put it here. Now, God says they're without excuse. He says, you can look up into the heavens and all around about us, and I, my handiwork is clearly revealed. And so, if an individual will refuse to do that, here's what God does with that type of individual. Wherefore, God gave them over to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. If you will not acknowledge the existence of God and his wisdom and creation, God will let you go right out of your fool. And then bring you to judgment for it. You see, he doesn't have to change you. He's written laws everywhere. And that only reveals the depravity of the human heart, which denies God. You say, all right, preacher, I don't like that. And I don't like you. I don't like you telling me that. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk out of this church today, and you'll never see me again. I'll never listen to another preacher. Well, I have some other news for you, okay? You've got preachers preaching to you everywhere you go, and you won't get away from them. You may run away like Jonah, but God will have a storm. And he'll preach to you out of that storm. And he may have a great fish prepared, and he'll preach to you out of the belly of that fish. And he may raise up a gourd, and he'll preach to you out of that gourd. And then he may raise up a little worm and destroy that gourd and preach to you there. For everywhere you go, the birds that are up in the air will be preaching to you, there is a God, there is a God, he's wise, he's wise, look how he's taking care of me. And when you look out into the west and you see the storm clouds coming, those clouds will be speaking to you, judgments coming, judgments coming, judgments coming. And then when that lightning and thunder begins to come, and when the rains begin to fall, those cool, refreshing breezes will inform you there's mercy in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everywhere you go, there's going to be a preacher preaching to you. It may not be someone who's using an open Bible, but it will be something in the creation saying, Here is God! Here is God! And you cannot run from that. 
And my friend, when you stand before God, if you refuse to bow to His wisdom in the creation, one day you will stand before Him and every worm, every bird, everything that you have been exposed to in the creation will take the witness stand in God's final court and say, You're a fool. You're a fool. You're a fool. We told you. We told you. We told you. But you would not listen. That's a lie of God. So you may not have anything to do with preachers. You may say, I have nothing to do with the church. But you cannot get out of the creation. And that creation will speak to you wherever you're at. And it will bring you to the judgment. And that judgment will be righteous. And God will then give to you that which you have desired. And God has that. A place where you can be without Him. His condemning hand there. But I'm going to give you another thought too. He's not only going to separate you from Him as a Creator, He's going to separate you from what you love in the creation. So that you may go through your three score and ten and not get any comfort out of God and get it out of the creation. But ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, if you will not love the Creator, there will come a time when the creation that you do love will be separated from you, and then you will be consigned to that spiritual state of eternal darkness, cut off from God and from creation forever and ever and ever. And the misery of that will be that you will still have a desire to have that which you wanted in the creation, but it will not be there, even to the withholding of a single drop of water to give you satisfaction. If you're an alcoholic, you're going to have an alcoholic fit for all eternity because you're going to be separated from your alcohol. Whatever your love and your lust is, whatever that it may be, that you would rather have than God, then that is what you're going to have throughout all eternity, but there'll be nothing there to fulfill it because you would not listen to God's creatures that is in the creation. That little bird, when you drive home today and you see it flying overhead, that little bird saying, I came from the wise creator. And you have out fishing here in a few weeks, and you put that worm on the hook, that worm is saying to you, there's a God behind me, and you're using me for your purposes. But you also remember this, that the same God that created me so you can use me on a fish hook is the same God that created you. And it's the same God that's going to bring you to a place where you're going to have to acknowledge His Lordship eventually. Or that you might bow and acknowledge it now. Rather than at the judgment when the Bible says that every knee shall bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Submit to Him now. There's wisdom in it. Be wise. Bow before the all-wise God in creation. Let's stand. for us to bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Everyone have their head bowed. Christians praying now as we meditate upon what we've heard. 
Father, I ask that you might take this message today, that you might seal it to the hearts of those that would benefit from it. I pray that we might see the wisdom which we have at our disposal, all the wonders and beauties that exist in your creation, in your nature. And God, we're thankful that you have given these for your own glory, but you've also given them unto man to rule over and to use them wisely. And we ask that we might be appreciative of the things which you have created. And we would pray that you might remove the dullness of our blinded eyes, which are centered like the hog, strictly upon the ground. That you might lift our eyes above that which we would see there on the ground and look around about us and give us spiritual insights as to the wisdom that you have in your creation. And help us to see that all these things as they work together, that behind them you're there in the background. Impress upon us this message today to the glorification of the name of your Son, for we ask it in his name. Amen.